We welcome you to the Truth Simply Put, our broadcast and teaching series at the Basilea Commission. You're about to receive God's unadulterated word, brought to you by Pastor Alexander Victor. Challenging, uplifting, and provoking you to new dimensions in your kingdom walk. And now, today's message. The Church of Jesus Christ we stayed last week is, is pure, right? It's pure. Because she is washed by the blood and she is being washed by the water. And we established last week that the water is the word. The word is the son. The son is the spirit. Right? Jesus is in you because his spirit is in you. Yes? Uh His spirit is in you. The spirit of God is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the spirit of Jesus. The spirit of Jesus is God. God is the Son. <laughs> the Son is the Word. The Word is the water. Uh, the water is the Spirit. <laughs> I showed you John 4 and 14 last week. Let's go there. Nothing comes close to the message of the gospel of the grace of Jesus. Nothing. This is the message. It's what we're called to teach. You must take it seriously and place premium on it. Because this is the gospel, the one message. There's nothing else. Somebody said there's nothing else. else. John 4, 14. Today's part 26, by the way. (laughs) Parts 1 to 21 are online, or 1 to 20? 1 to 20? 1 to 21, yeah, are online already. But whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst. But the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water. The water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water. Water I will give will become water. So what you receive from the source becomes in you a source. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So people start to drink of water that is you. Because of the water that you received, that is him. John 4, 37 to 39. Are you still awake? On the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out saying, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Hey, scripture just dropped in my spirit. In Isaiah. Oh, hallelujah. Let him come to me and drink. Put that verse again. Let him come to me and drink. 38. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart or belly, King James says, will flow. But this he spoke concerning the spirit whom those believing in him would receive for the Holy Spirit at that time was not yet given. Why? Because Jesus had not yet been glorified. Isaiah 55, 1. Some of you have seen this scripture before. It's beautiful. Beautiful. Hmm. Everyone who thirsts, come to the waters, and you who have no money, come, buy, and eat. Yes, come, buy wine and milk without money and without price. Old Testament, so a seed to receive is not of God. Come, start the verse again. 
Come to the waters. And you who have no money, come, listen, buy. You who have no money, come, buy. <laughs> and eat. Come buy with milk and honey, significant of plenty. Without money. Go back again, this last line. Come, buy milk and honey without money and without price. If he did not spare his own son. Romans 8.32 But give him up for us all. How will he not along with him? Legal transaction without money. Come and take what's yours. Just don't pay for it. Because it's been paid for. So together as one, I put here, the ministry of the Holy Spirit unveils the revelation of Jesus in the believer because Jesus is the word. And that happens for the maturity and sanctification of the believer. The ministry of the Holy Spirit in the life of the believer unveils the revelation of Jesus in the life of the believer for the believer's maturity and sanctification. For the believer's maturity and sanctification. That's what the Holy Spirit does in a believer. He unpacks Jesus. Nothing else. The Holy Spirit doesn't kill on your behalf. He's not a destructive spirit. The Holy Spirit unpacks... Listen to me. If the Holy Spirit is not unpacking Jesus, he has nothing to say or do. If the Holy Spirit is not revealing Jesus, he has nothing else to say or do. Why did he function at creation? Why did the Holy Spirit have something to do at creation? Creative agent. You right? Creative agent, right? Was he the creator? He is the creative agent. That means he's facilitating somebody creating. Who? Why was the Holy Spirit a creation? You know, you are going too deep. Why was the Holy Spirit present at creation? Because Christ was happening. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God and the Word was God. All things were made by Him, the Word. Without Him was nothing made that was made. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void. Darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God hovered over the surface of the waters and God said. When God said, what did He reveal? The Word. Who is the Word? Christ. When God said... Who now started to kick in and do stuff? The Holy Spirit. So outside Jesus, what was the Holy Spirit doing? Nothing. Hovering. What activated the Holy Spirit? Christ. The Word. So if God had not said, all the Spirit would have been doing is just hovering. Are you, are you here now? All He would have been doing is just hovering. Because outside the revelation of Jesus, the Holy Spirit is useless. So it is very, very unwise to try because it doesn't work to deploy the Holy Spirit to anything that is not directly related to the revelation of Jesus Christ. Somebody killed the person in your village when you ask Holy Ghost fire to do it. It's not the Holy Ghost. Natural occurrences or just a happenstance of life. It was not I know you came to church and testified in that your bloodthirsty church because only a bloodthirsty church will have somebody come and say, I prayed that somebody, that father, anybody removed their peace and then I now got to report that my uncle in the village died 
Glory be to God. Eh? People, Christians kill their bosses and come and testify in church. Because you don't want to pay hide killer, you rent Holy Ghost. Because you say, come and buy, buy without price. Because even the consuming fire, I've taught you in Hebrews, is not consuming to kill somebody. Outside the revelation of Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit has no ministry. Pav, you have come again. John 16. Let the word come again. John 16. You see it for yourself. Verse 12. John 16 and 12. Is it up on there? Are we here? The day is still young. I still have many things to say to you. This is Jesus telling his disciples. But you cannot bear them now. And there's only one reason why. You cannot bear them now. Next verse. However, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. Now hold on, go back. When you read scripture, be systematic because two chapters earlier, he had defined to them who truth is. Don't read one thing and, and then skip. Do you understand? Take your time. In 14 of John, he said in verse 6, I am the way, I am the truth. This is just two chapters later. Our problem is most times we don't read one scripture in the light of the other. We read them in isolation. But it's just still Jesus speaking. It's one happenstance. He will guide you into all truth. Remember who that truth is. Okay. You see it? Back to John 16, 13. When he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. See the semicolon there now? Jesus is about to explain or expound to them what he means by guiding them into all truth. Continue. For he will not speak on his own authority. That is outside Jesus. Holy Spirit has no message. No ministry. He will, the Holy Spirit will not speak on his own authority. But whatever he hears, he will speak. What is he hearing? And he will tell you things to come. Now see verse 14. He will glorify me. For he will take of what is mine. So you see, it's not part of what I was saying. In fact, when he says he will glorify me, what comes to the average Christian mind is he will worship me. But doxazei, which is the word, the verb for glorify there, means he will unpack and illuminate about me. Doxazei, doxa with a S-E-I at the end. He will esteem me. Does that make sense? He will evoke, you know what it means to evoke or provoke? He will evoke a good opinion of me. In other words, when he, the Holy Spirit comes, he will define for you how you should receive me. That's the word glorified, doxazai in the Greek. He will esteem me, not he will worship me. It's deeper than that. Because doxa actually means essence. The word for glory means essence is translated from the Hebrew word kabod, which means weight. Kabod in the Hebrew. That's the word for glory. Weight in the Greek, doxa. The essence or the value of a thing or person. That's glory. Does that make sense? Yes, sir. 
So when Jesus says here, he will glorify me, is the word doxazei. He will esteem me highly. In other words, when the Holy Spirit come, comes, all he's saying is, Jesus, 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 Jesus. Nothing else. He will esteem me. He will evoke a worthy opinion of me. That's what dogs say. And then he will take, the, the word for the Hebrew, for take, actually doesn't mean to take. It means to receive and lay hold of. That's the word I wrote it here somewhere. Lempsetai, that's the word for take. Lemp, L-E, like lamp, but L-E-M-P, S-E-T-A-I. Lempsetai, that's the word for take. And it means he will receive or lay hold of Jesus. So when you said the Holy Spirit will glorify Jesus, he will esteem Jesus. And how will he do that? By taking hold of Jesus. Yeah? By receiving of Jesus and releasing to us. And that's, that's the word declare. Anageleo in the Greek. It means to announce something that has gone through all the necessary stages to confirm it. That's the word anageleo. To announce something. In other words, you know when you say, um, like I said when I was talking about reporting. And I said, you know, when you say um, it has been reported that. It means we're not sure. Establish the source of the news. Otherwise, it's just something that's been reported. Does that make sense? Now, anagalia on the Greek actually means that what you are reporting has gone through every stage required to verify it. So, in the light of this, the Holy Spirit will evoke a worthy opinion of Jesus, for he will esteem Jesus, for he will take delivery up and grasp what is of Jesus, and he will announce it to us as something that has been thoroughly verified. That's a quick forensic exegesis of that verse. In other words, by the time the Holy Spirit is introducing Jesus to you, it has gone through everything required of God to certify that this is correct. And how did God show us that as a foreshadow? In Luke 11 and Matthew 17 and the Mount of Transfiguration, there's Jesus there with Moses and, and Elijah, and God speaks clearly from heaven and says, this is my beloved son, in whom I'm well pleased. He didn't stop there. He only stopped there at his uh, baptism. But on the Mount of Transfiguration, where glory was at stake, he said, hear ye him. This is the one you should hear. What was God doing? Justifying and validating everything Jesus is saying. Now the Holy Spirit will take of what is of Jesus. So if not, if it's not of Jesus, the Holy Spirit has nothing to receive. See verse 15. All things that the Father has are mine. Therefore I said that he will take of mine and declare to you. That's the ministry of the Holy Spirit. So we cannot study the word of God in the absence of the working of the Holy Spirit. Are you following me now? We run into a lot of errors when we look at the scriptures from just an intellectual lens. He's the revelation of Christ Jesus. The Holy Spirit is the revelation of Christ Jesus in the scriptures. It was through the Holy Spirit that Paul could read the law and see the message of grace. We cannot ignore the ministry of the Holy Spirit. In fact, we cannot say we are sons of God outside the Holy Spirit. You're not coming to any understanding. What the Holy Spirit is revealing to you, your mind cannot grasp it. Your mind cannot grasp it. You cannot understand the things of God the way you understand what they're teaching you in school. Even what they taught you in school, how far have you gone with it? Some of you graduated secondary school only two years ago. You have forgotten maths. 
if we put you now and say, oh yeah, let's do an on-the-spot exam now. You pass scholarship, full paid scholarship into a university in Cyprus. Or Turkey now. Pastor Takim will sign it. We'll send you off to Turkey now. Chances are very high. You have failed. Who knows what I'm talking about? You have not yet written it. You understand? You are yet to write it. But you have failed. You have so failed is guaranteed. The way you write it is just to confirm the failure we already know. And that was just two years ago. Three years ago. Four years ago. Chemistry is out of your head. In fact, when you finish your chemistry, you're like, praise God. Praise the Lord. Let the earth hear his voice. As you walked out of the exam, chemistry left your life. Some of you have not yet forgiven Ababio till today. For what Ababio did to you. So what you learned from school, how did you manage? Some of you are in university now. First year, you have no... Jess, you can't remember. Have I made my point? Now, what chance do you stand retaining God's word in that same brain? See why you're struggling? What chance do you stand receiving and retaining God's word in this same dysfunctional brain? Last semester stuff, you'll be hard-pressed to remember. With a gun to your head, you probably will still not remember. I'm being honest. I'm being honest. Those who are honest enough will know what I'm talking about. If you are receiving the word of God in the same faculty that you are receiving intellectual academic training, you are finished. You are finished. Your own job, they know. If you are in a good place of work, the, your own job knows. They will still take you for training and refresh your memory, refresh our course. They will teach you the same thing they taught you last year. If you work in a bank, they will take you back. Go and teach you the same thing. So, because you will forget. And Jesus knew that, so he talked about those seed that falls. And people forget. Cares of this world, choke it away. So you cannot receive the word of God into your mind, especially your mind all renewed. It has to come from the spirit of God in your inside. Because you know your spirit is actually the spirit of God. The spirit of the son of God. It is from there, nicely sat in a faculty of you that nothing can take away. It's from there that you now start to download it into your mind. Gently. And then it starts to renew your mind. Do you understand what I'm saying? If I had dirty water in here and it's dirty, I would not, to purify it, I don't necessarily have to pour it all out. Just open it, keep it under clean water. Just keep it under clean water. Keep it under clean water long enough. You will not see the water, the bottle filling up anymore. You will not see it reducing any less. You will just see its quality changing. Because the more clean water hammers into that container, the more it forcefully ejects out whatever is impure. That's what the Spirit of God, the water of God's word, that's what it does in your life. So if you're dirty and unclean somewhere, just stay under the river. Allow the water, that's the word, the spirit. Allow the, allow the word. That's, the, that's what it boils down to. Allow the word, allow the spirit. Both of them together, the water. 
Allow them to wash away every impurity. That's the process of sanctification. Now, you don't want to allow yourself to come under the flood of the water of God. How do you expect that you can become better? Because your head will not remember it all. If some of you look at me and go, oh, Pav, you know so many scriptures. I've never sat down to cram scripture. I don't have that time. I've never sat down to cram scripture. Let me recite it. I mean, when I was a kid, I did it for fun. When I was a kid, Psalm 119 from verse 1 to 100, we killed it. We sprayed us money and we were quoting Bible. We did all of that as children. But when understanding starts to come, everything you crammed is first of all deleted. Because yes. now I can't quote Psalm 119 to save my life. Even the first 10 verses. But whatever I've studied as is profitable for life and godliness, because it is sat in my spirit, the Holy Ghost brings it out whenever he has need of it. Whenever he, not me, whenever he has need of it, he knows where he stored it. You know, your brain is like a hard drive that is not frag- fragmented, defragmented. A hard drive is a hard drive that he has clustered all the parts, the partitions of the hard drive together. So there's all the data is on this, a fragmented drive. Fragments everything by bringing it all together, compacting it, and then the one that he needs now, he just takes it. That's how I teach. It's not brain work, sir. It's grace work. So I'm teaching and on the fly, he's propping stuff up in my head. It's not, it's not, it's not my brain. I didn't rehearse it. I didn't recite it. I, I've taught for six months and my entire teaching note was one page. One page. So somebody goes, oh, Pav, may I have your sermon notes? It will not, pro- it will not prosper you. <laughs> somebody actually was angry with me once. He disturbed me and disturbed me and disturbed me. Pav, give me your teaching notes. I, I say, it will not help you. He say, give me your teaching notes. That's when I did. I taught the Great Exchange for the first time. The whole Great Exchange was one A4. The guy came forward in life. He was angry. I said, Pav, why did, you, why did you deceive me like this? I said, you asked for teaching notes. This is it. He said, this seven and eight bullet points. I said, brother, this is... That's why I see him. I'm upset. Because most times when it's helping, they don't believe it. Just in case you think, okay, Pav has written... All this plenty, you understand? This plenty scriptures is just writing, just calling it. So that's it. Where is it coming from? From a fully fatting spirit. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Fully fatting spirit. So we come up and we know that he will bring out what he has put in. That's why, that's, see, that's why I can show you my, my, my note. Do you understand? It's like, for some pastors, it's like holy grail. <laughs> you know what I mean? You know? <laughs> You will not see it. You will see it. The carnal mind cannot comprehend the things of God for they are spiritually discerned. They're spiritually discerned. You either know it or you don't. You either know it or you don't. So sit down, take your time, open yourself up, especially when you are blessed with the gift of a teacher. Learn. Apply. Refuse to let life give you the opportunity to excuse yourself from applying the word of God. Because to do that is to preserve certain impurities because it means you stopped the tap before it could pour enough to take out every impurity. Do you understand? You stopped the flow. So the water is partially clean but not totally clean. And all it takes is a little life to happen and then the impurity mixes. And the entire thing is contaminated. So stay under that fountain long enough. 
That is the ongoing sanctification of the believer. That's when you grow in maturity. It starts to renew your mind. Then you develop staying power in the things of the spirit. That's when you can pray for longer. That's when you can worship for longer. That's when you hear a song and you're not responding to the song from your flesh, from your body. That's why you not consult how your body feels in order to come for a church meeting. I've said over and over, you not, you not, you not, you, you just go. Everybody will follow you. And somewhere along the way, your body will receive strength. When you're a baby. I'm waiting for somebody to catch it, yeah. But as a maturing son, you will finish service. Your body is still how it was when you came. And God will be like, now what? That's why children have no responsibilities. It's sons that do. A child just, just, just poo anywhere. We will clean it up. Do you understand? Drool. Uh, we will clean it up. By the time you are 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, you will know the road to the market. You will know the shortcut to the market. You know when the bully you are trying to avoid is there. Am I the only one that encounter these things? Yeah. Yeah. You know when the bully is around. You know when to follow the back. You know when to follow the longer road. <laughs> you, know, you, know, you know the road to follow if you have somebody bigger than you to follow you. Your mom is waiting for you to bring stuff. And then when you bring stuff back, you start to appreciate what it means to eat food for dinner. When you start being drawn into the responsibility of making. That's it with us. You start to grow into sonship. Grow in maturity. Grow in mastery. Then you begin to qualify to handle kingdom responsibility. Because there's a lot of us that have ensured we will never handle any responsibility by virtue of our refusal to grow. Because what you don't qualify to handle, you will not receive. This is not salvation we're talking about. This is not salvation. We're talking about kingdom responsibility. What causes you to grow and gain stability is the measure to which you allow the word of God work in you. Don't fight it. Is anybody hearing me? Don't fight it. Don't fight it. Don't let anybody around you whisper nonsense into your ear. You're either in this thing or you're not. And sometimes the person sitting next to you looks like they are in it. Looks can be very deceiving. Very yeah, we are hallelujah. Yeah. I will be content. It's a lie. Looks can be deceiving. So as you grow in the world, you begin to be more mindful who you give your ears to, who you affiliate with, what you listen to. Then you are able to filter better. Because if you don't know against what well, I can't really explain it, but uh, my spirit is just my friend, go and study. You can't be saying, I don't, my spirit is not accepting it. My spirit is not accepting it, but you cannot articulate why your spirit is not accepting it from the basis of God's word. You be right in that what you're hearing is wrong, but you're being carnal in how you're responding to it. No, I, just, I, just don't, I just don't feel it. I just don't get it. I can't say why. Be able to say why. From God's word, rightly divided. Be able to say why. I just don't, you know, it's true. When I've been here, I've been, you know, I've been no sure. If you're not grounded, you'll be tossed around by every wind of doctrine. I've said over and over, this is not the time where you can afford to not be grounded in the word. This is not the time. So if people are lazy about Bible study, just excuse them and keep going. 
Really, excuse them and keep going. If you cannot sit with the word and be taught, quality time, then that person is not stable. And watch it. When life hits them, watch how they react. It's different when you see how somebody who is grounded in the word responds to something. If somebody has understood what it means to have the peace that passes all understanding, when life happens, you can see from their response. When somebody knows that scripture says be at peace, but has not made it reality, when life happens to them, they freak out. Then they calm down. Both they are freaking out and coming down where canal. Because it was not spirit inspired. Do you understand what I'm saying? You have a beef with someone, how you respond to it under the influence of the word, and how you respond to it under natural influence is different. You can pretend about it. But if we poke you strong enough, your reels will manifest. It will manifest. People have offended me and gotten afraid that I did not react. Somebody has once looked at me in this and said, won't you slap me or punch me or something? I said, I wish I could. You deserve it, God knows. But I'm going to forgive you and then let it go. People ought to be guided and instructed by your response to life issues. People ought to be. How you forgive. How you move on. How you trivialize stuff that is serious. It's serious. You de-escalate it. Because you know sometimes people actually want you to... um, There's there's something I said a while ago. Hurt people hurt people. Do you understand? Hurt people hurt people. People who are hurting... Go about hurting other people. Yeah? Mostly hurting people or people who have been hurt hurt others. So sometimes when you see somebody hurting someone, go past the hurt that they're inflicting and look at the hurt they're going through. You respond better. If you learn to evaluate where a person is coming from, you will love them better. It's maturity. Because the word of God says we should esteem others more highly than ourselves. We'll respond differently. You see, that church that we're imitating of Jesus and the apostles is actually not far away. The church is only as far away as our disobedience. In other words, the church is as near to us as our obedience. It's not, it's not on God. He's done everything. It's not. It's not on Jesus. He's given all. It's not on the Holy Spirit. He's saying everything that Jesus is revealing is on the church. It's on you and I, guys. It gets beautiful when everybody's committed to obeying the word of God. This is what sets the difference between people who are here for the word and people who are here because they have found the opportunity to do what they never had justification to do before. Except if that's the only reason you're here. There's people that are here is the word they're after. And such people, you see it in their growth. You see it in how they Eat up every word that comes. You know how Jesus said to Satan, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word. First Timothy 4, I believe, somewhere around 13, forgive me if I'm wrong, meditate on these things so that your profiting might be evident to all. That thy profiting might be evident to all. Give heed. And King James actually says, give earnest heed to these things. That thy profiting 
might be evident to all. Are you following me now? So if you came for the word, stay with the word. If you didn't come for the word, get the word. Meditate upon these things. Give thyself wholly to them that thy profiting. Ah, TPT. Make all of this your constant meditation and make it real with your life. Do you see that? Make it real with your life so that everyone can see that you are moving forward. The message put this. Cultivate these things. Immerse yourself in them. The people will all see you mature. So you see why I always say growth does not hide? If you're growing, you are growing. It is evident that you're growing. Let me give you guys a newsflash, especially young people. In a house that's a liberty-driven house or a grace house, everybody at first instance accepts you as you came. Everybody. Very shortly, as you came, starts to wear off. As you are, starts to take center stage. By the time you have manifested all your jargon, and we have all seen it, we now expect you to start growing. If you don't start growing, what didn't matter to us when you came starts to matter. This will just help somebody. (laughs) It starts to matter. The annoying things that you're caught up in, that we loved you nonetheless when you came in. It's great. But then we're looking at you and you're not moving from it. It starts to become a problem. Now we start to move away from you. Because you came in a certain way, but you have refused to grow. And since you're not growing, you are likely to contaminate my growth. So I start to give you a bit of a distance. You start to feel offended and think we're pretending when we loved you. We're not pretending. We loved you unconditionally. Now you know Greek grow. And if you refuse to grow, what you are saying is I'm good with where I am and I'd like you to join my camp. And so somebody starts to tell you, oh yeah, it's good. Uh, I'm busy. The very bold ones will tell you, see, I've evaluated our friendship. There's no kingdom value in it. Do you understand what I'm saying? You love everybody. You don't have to roll with everybody. You say, I've I've thought about uh, our friendship. Whenever we meet, I'm not edified. And if I'm honest, maybe, maybe you too are not edified because I find myself saying things that I shouldn't say around you. So constantly between the both of us, we are always out of the mark. So perhaps we shouldn't be hanging together. Maybe we should both be with somebody who is stronger in the faith and can give us a bit of maturity and see how things go. That's when you are serious about the faith. We are siblings, we are brothers, we are brethren. We don't have to be friends. We don't have to be close. We don't have to chat on WhatsApp. You don't have to know where I live. We don't have to exchange numbers because we are brethren. Some people cannot handle some other people's numbers. That's the truth. Pick relationships based on how how much kingdom value they have. Or let the person stay away. Because you see, if you can influence somebody to grow, fine. If you can't, stay away. And let God lead them to someone that can help them. Don't stand, occupy space in their life. Because that's the one thing you're going to answer for. That's the one thing. That's the one thing. You choose based on that. Are we, are we, 
Do we discuss scripture? Does, does the word of God come alive? Is there any mutual excitement? And sometimes there can be a form of that excitement, but the corresponding character is missing. And that's even more dangerous. Somebody's discussing scripture with you, but everything about their body language is distracting. Everything about their appearance is distracting. Somebody touches you and you feel violated. But what is coming out of the person's mouth is right. There's, there's how, ladies, particularly, if a guy hugs you lustfully, you know. You just, most times you, have, you just ignore it. But you know, except if you are lost for yourself. But it's, it's obvious. It's obvious. The same way your, your profiting appears to all, your non-profiting appears to all as well. You hug someone and there's nothing, there's nothing transferring the love of Jesus Christ. It's just an opportunity you have to touch another person. Titus 1.15, right? To the pure, all things are pure. To the impure, even their very thoughts are defiled. An impure person will hug a pillar and get turned on. Yes, I'm telling you the truth. Anything against you will turn you on. Because your very mind is impure. But to the pure, all things are pure. I know what I'm saying. If anyone doesn't have the spirit of God, it's not his. You're hell-bent. And after a while, everybody knows that you're not growing. You're singing, you're not growing. You're playing an instrument, you're not growing. You're serving, you're not growing. You're serving in, as a minister, you're not growing. It's, your profiting is evident to all. You saw it in scripture? Or you're not. It's obvious. Because you honor something, you want something, but you're feeling misogynistic and you're feeling all mass manly and feeling, then you don't want it. Stay away from it. Stay away from it. If you want it, then honor it. Honor it. Give it the honor it deserves. And at that point, somebody says to you, no, I don't, I don't, stop it. You tickle me, I don't like you tickling me. Stop it. I don't constantly have to hug you. Stop it. Because not everybody is tactile. Lead how the word will lead. Is anybody hearing what I'm saying? Yes, this is practical sonship. Yes, 101. Respect people. You will not think any impure thoughts in your head. You will not. You will not, you will not let it cross. Because if it has the propensity to cause your brother to stumble, you will not be found thinking about it. You won't. You won't dishonor someone. You let the word of God have its way in your heart. Put away every malice, every lying, right? Ephesians 4. Walks of the flesh, uh, Galatians 5. All of this not, should not be heard among you. You make peace with someone of the same family. Every such walk of the flesh is evident that the word is not gaining ground. Grow. Be grounded in the word. When the word is taught, you open yourself up in your spirit and you receive it. Believe it. Apply it. Then understand it. You don't have to understand it to apply it. All you have to do is believe it. If the word of God says this, and I believe the word of God, and I believe the word of God is Jesus, that's all. Understanding will come later. Because Christ is being formed in us. Christ is being formed in us. There are different stages in different people, but he's being formed in us. Imagine an eight-year-old at the playground explaining that Christ is our Sabbath. He rested on the seventh day. And everyone has come into him now, has rested in him because he has fulfilled the Sabbath along with every other law. Until then, we don't have a hope for future. Until then, you're just making noise. I'm thinking about the children that are coming. Everybody grew up in school. 
with CRK or CRS and he helped nobody. He didn't help anybody. He didn't profit anybody. He just needed 66 books of the Bible. If you manage to remember it. Shortest verse, longest verse. He just knew Bible statistics. But there has to be a generation of kids that will grow up in nothing but the revelation of Jesus. Not, I didn't say the fear of God. Because the fear of God has not helped anybody. Bring them up in the fear of God. Bring them up in the fear of God cannot do what the love of God does not do. Mm -mm. Raise kids in the love of God. The revelation of Jesus is stronger than the fear of God. We have to be able to know that God loves us. And so our love is a response to him. Not something we are doing to escape punishment. Something we are doing to escape judgment. Something we are doing to escape condemnation so that on the last day. No. It's, it's a response to the awesome love of Jesus. A lady that is crazy about a guy and a lady that is stuck with a guy she's afraid of. There's a difference. It's a difference. It's a difference. A lady who's crazy about a guy, you can't control her. My God, the guy himself is overwhelmed with love from the sister. But then a guy, a lady who's afraid of her guy because maybe he's a cult guy, you know, or he's a robber or he's violent or whatever, she cringes at his presence. He will take advantage of her and do what he wants. She might get one or two benefits here and there, like when he's finished punching her in the face, he gives her money to go and buy medication and cleans her up. You know those kind of guys? Say, well, you provoked me. I love you. And then she will not tell her friends. I tell her mom, but he loves me. Uh, which, which kind of guy doesn't beat his girl? If he doesn't beat you, he doesn't love you. You can look at me funny. It's okay. It's all right. It's okay. No problem. Sounds like fiction to you. No problem. Just don't find yourself there. A mother will sit with her child in front of you. Say, Pastor, but if, if your man doesn't lay hold of his woman, how would the woman know that the man owns her? It happened to all of us. And the girl will tell you, oh, Pastor, yeah, he loves me. He's just, he just has hunger, hunger. Hunger issues. You, you have other issues. He just has anger issues. He doesn't mean any harm. Eh? Come go, come go, come go. My boyfriend is coming. My boyfriend is coming. My man is coming. Come and be going. There's, there's relationships like that. The girl's friend cannot be there when the, when the man is coming back. Come on, come on, come on, come on, going. He's coming back now. And that's how we are. Oh yeah, oh yeah, tidy up, tidy up, tidy up. Jesus is coming soon. Let's let not catch me like this. Fear of God, 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 fear of judgment, fear of torment. There's no fear in love. Perfect love. Cast out fear for where fear is, there's torment. First John 4. There's no fear in love. You can't be having love and fear in the same sentence. Fear of God, fear of God, fear of God, fear of God, fear. For where love is, there's torment. Last line. First of all, cast out fear because fear involves torment. Put King James. There's no fear in love, but perfect love casteth out fear. Next line. Because fear hath torment. He that feareth is not made perfect in love. TPT. I'm trying to close. Love never brings fear, for fear is always related to punishment. 
But love's perfection drives the fear of punishment far from our hearts. Whoever walks constantly afraid of punishment. It's not fear of hell that drives us. It's the love of God in Christ. And children have to be raised up to know that God thinks the world of them. And they grow up loving he who has loved them. Imagine a child being raised to know that his sins are forgiven. That's why we teach. That's why we are believing in a pure church. And I'm not done with it. The church of Jesus Christ, which we are and are imitating, is pure. It's pure to the measure that the word and the spirit together the water. You understand that now? Continually wash us of impurities to retain our cleanliness as was acquired by the washing of the blood. Put back that scripture as we close. First Timothy, right? 4.15. Meditate on these things. Cultivate these things. Immerse yourself in them. The people will all see you mature so that our profiting might be evident to all. Has anybody been instructed today? This concludes this message. Thank you for listening and we hope it has been a blessing to you. For inquiries and further information, please send us an email to info at the or visit our social media platforms.